Good morning, side boys and side girls. I was All about right. to say, I just, what are we I've talking been wanting about? to do that. It's not even morning. <laughs> it's um, yes. a, a slight homage to Janelle Monet. Um, so I'm going to be slightly like wheezier than usual and coffeeier than usual. Um, so. I don't know if it's sinuses or COVID, but we took both of the COVID mm-hmm. tests, so we're waiting back to see. So just bear with us. Also, just bear with me in general. I'm a person with heavy science, uh, sinus <laughs> issues. Once again, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> to yet another episode of Reality Rewind. I am I'm Lee sure. from the D. Okay. taking a dive back into the world of when seven strangers get picked to live together in a home and have their lives taped to find out what happens when people stop being polite and Ugh. start getting racist. <laughs> Boom. I got that one on the head. I didn't even think about it. that shit just flowed. That shit just kind of came out. It was like the river like, of Jordan. So we still here, huh? Just still. Currently, we still here, mind you. Everybody, and you hear through everybody else's stories and, and journeys and... that everyone has evolved and reevaluated things and went through shit. But south you know, of south of France. France, girl, south of France. All right. If you are wondering exactly what episode, if you are old enough to know exactly what that intro is, you know what it is. And if you don't, we're talking about the real world and we're specifically talking about the real world, real world homecoming. Um, We're going to break this down into depending on the number of episodes into either three or four episode blocks. Um, So this week we're going to be covering episode Mm -hmm. one. Just four. because it is a currently running series, um, and the, it's not like we could binge the entire season because right. it's actually happening right now. If you want to watch it, it is on Paramount Plus. You can. I think there's only five episodes released total, so you could catch up easy. I, I honestly kind of enjoy doing this idea too instead of doing yeah. a whole yeah. season of something at once maybe taking the time and breaking it up into yeah. like a few episodes blocks yeah, yeah, to no, really dig in you know what i mean and that way we're not like and watching 25 fucking episodes it. in three goddamn days hoping we and like trying to mm-hmm. fill in notes and just getting all kinds of confused and shit like it's so yeah. we'll reevaluate this, this. Show is- Depending I mean, on the like show, because if it's just like evolved. the Bernards, like you know, we can just evolved. do that in an episode. It's gonna evolve and change, and you know, oh, it is. I mean, yes, it already. hopefully, it's going to continue to. Oh, also, I want to do this at the top of the hour, okay, or two hours or whatever. Um, so Siobhan also has another podcast called Crime and Wine. I did, and she just released you her merch. Can currently get tumbler stainless steel tumblers water bottles mugs there's a accessory bag like a makeup bag there's a face mask um phone cases for iphones and samsung's because i don't leave the girls out um 
there's I know, some, I know there's some stickers there, you know, if you want to. My kid likes stickers, and she really would have been pissed if I didn't get stickers. Like, she currently has one on her computer, a Crime and Wine sticker on her computer. So, yeah. The merch oh, that's is cute. Out. There is going to be a very, very, very special, very limited thing coming very soon. I actually have one for you, sir. I will be sending it to you. I'll take it. Shit, my arms are open. God told me to surrender this year, so a bitch is surrendering. Only me and my co-host have them, but you will have one soon. Um, so those will be fun. You'll get to once you get yours, and I have mine. We can show people, but it'll there'll be a a, like very limited release of those things. So it's gonna be a good time. It's a good time. So wait, who's your co-host on Crime and Wine? Okay, we we need to do an old school crossover, and by old school crossover, I mean like an episode oh, with so. us and an episode with her, but it ha- like have it tie together like back in so, the day the CW they used to do. Fact, you had to watch both shows to get it. That was already on my mind. I was actually going to talk to you about being on the show next week, actually. <laughs> Or today. If oh, you yeah. Want to okay. I'm today. down. So if you want to do it today, you can do it today. Oh, I'm down. <laughs> Shit. I ain't got nothing to Well, I ain't got nothing to do but sit here and fester in the virus that unfortunately yeah. has taken but, yeah, over like, the world. It's, gonna, it's a good time. I was waiting for the right show to bring her on for this one because I've already actually considered this. But it's, um, it's definitely. Okay doing things over there y'all can go listen to crime and wine wherever you get your podcast if you hear if you listen wherever you listen to this one you can also listen to crime and wine there and go hear about all the the schemes and scams and shenanigans and chicanery that we'd be talking about over there (laughs) and this one is this the end of burning me so we really gonna get into the chicanery on this one Okay, I am. I am down. I am definitely down. I still have a, almost an entire fit of Montalolos, which I probably should not be drinking. Girl, I took an edible. I took a couple of hits, and I was like, "I'm gonna drink, have a cocktail too." It's like this will not yeah, defeat I, um, me. And then next week it'll be a different. But you can go. We've talked about a lot of. We talked about the Night Stalker. We've talked about Lou Pearlman, Kwame Kilpatrick, Rob Bogoyevich. <laughs> We talked about we did an episode on the Zodiac Killer Cipher that was solved. We mm, that led to Ted allegedly. Cruz. Allegedly, I'm sorry, yeah, allegedly I said that wrong. Raphael and he does. I mean, he fits the description. I'm also very suspicious yeah. of the name change. You know. Well, I was suspicious he, of that. Be- well, there's multiple kinda, reasons to be suspicious. I've always looked at him sideways. He has serial killer. He gives serial killer vibes. You he know, does. you kind of got to. And I also was suspicious of. <coughs> and that could be uh, through legislation as well. The the mysterious <laughs> the mysteriously timed trip to Mexico. Right, hear me out, and then we can get into the show. So. 
Allegedly. Allegedly, okay, so allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. It's always allegedly. I'm sorry, not allegedly. Now alleged. This is, hear me out. <laughs> hear my hear my concerns, okay? So we know about the trip to Mexico, you know, when Texas was freezing and everything, right? Allegedly <laughs> freezing. But <laughs> the Zodiac Killer cipher was solved two, three weeks before. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so you think, think Raphael went back to his not, homeland? He's not no, he's not Mexican. Um, I'm not exactly sure because he's been very tight-lipped about that. Um, I don't know something, to, and then to come back and blame it on the babies. Who I when he said his daughters, I'm thinking these are teenage girls who were just bitching and moaning. These are ten year olds. Like it's. It doesn't matter if they are teenage or not. There are some times in your life that the things that you have hoped for and you've been excited about get are, are end up being a disappointment because of familial obligations and your parents' jobs. And your father has assumed the position that he has and he has responsibilities. So regardless whether your children are 2, 5, mm-hmm. 10, 15, 35, 55, 65, or in an early grave, whatever their wishes are, unfortunately, have to bend when it comes to the will of doing Again, public 100%, service. 100% agree. They would have been all right. In the same space as far as that is concerned. But when he came back, back blaming the babies, yeah. Oh, no, I know. Because I was just I understand that the <laughs> are irritating. As fuck. And sometimes it's just like, okay, if y'all don't shut the fuck up or get out of my house. But to come back right now, my kid is seven. So I understand that these kids will work your nerves. But what my kid ain't about to do is bully me into taking her on no goddamn vacation. Because she's seven. Right. Ain't no 10 and 11 year old bullied you right. into going on no goddamn vacation. Shut up. You was no, you sir. was running because the thing not is, with your like, money. They, they mama could have them. Why you have to go? Also, if your children are Boy, like that, then there is more like, that she, needs to be uh, addressed. Did she hold a, a, a exactly. hatchet to your fucking head? Like, bitch, I'm gonna cut your skull open if you don't. Like, what is we doing here? I don't nah. And the way that the the only way that any of this can make sense to me in any way, shape, form, or fashion that this would be acceptable is if your child is extremely violent. And I'm sure she's not. So what you just did was put your child completely under the bus because she was an easy casualty. I will say that both of those girls look like they bite people. But that is by function of what their parents look like and less about them. But also, this ain't even allegedly. Ted Cruz is a bitch because there's no way that you about to stand up. You, Girl. the way he's so far up Donald Trump's ass, like he ain't sit Girl. here and repeatedly call your wife ugly. Like he's a bitch. So. I knew that's where you were going. <laughs> so okay, <laughs> let me tell you something. 
I have been in those kinds of positions. I most recently, it's only been, it's, it was been a couple of years and I regale this story all the time because I was just so proud of myself for the fact that I was just like, Oh, you can just string things together. Didn't even call a nigga out his name. Um, so it was over a simple, this guy was an asshole. He was a complete asshole to me and to, <laughs> to the other one. Um, he was like passive aggressive caddy gay. I caught it long time ago. And I was like, whatever. I'm not about to argue with your old faggot. I'm not going to argue with your old behind. <laughs> got to watch that. I'm sorry, y'all. Got to watch that. Um, and he kept, he just kept trying it. And he it was over like a simple misspelling in a text mm-hmm. of this one person's name. And he just sent a catty message, and I was like, okay, I'm done. I had a couple of drinks, too. It was like, I'm bored. I want to have fun. So I had told I this nigga this. that he was going to die alone. This. I told this nigga, girl. So I just yes. looked it up to get the exact I You mean to tell to me, Ted Cruz? Of the, oh, the Lord. The cipher was solved on December 11th. That is when it was published that it was solved. Okay. The first trip out the country was in January. That was the quiet one that nobody knew. Okay. He went to where did he go? Somewhere in the Caribbean. I don't remember exactly where, but it was like January. I think it said the twenty sixth or something like that. And then the Mexico trip was February eleventh. Okay, but here's the thing, though. That doesn't necessarily mean that he he's a serial killer. That just could See, also mean that he's a lazy piece Ted of shit, Cruz. which we know for a fact. I'm not saying 100% that Ted Cruz is the Zodiac killer, although he does the schedule. No, he just seems too lazy. But what I will, what I am saying is that they do. While he may not be, he has terrible timing as far as trying to make this not be a thing. Like, if you're trying to, if he, because he just spent all this time trying to, like, debunk these rumors, but then you keep doing shit that make you look guilty. (laughs) You have terrible timing, right? He's just stupid. Like, my man's is just dumb. But back Ted Cruz, let's get into the, the show. I hate that man. Well, we're going to not kind of fuck Ted Cruz. We're going to dive kind of right on into his ideology in a way. Um, All right. So real world homecoming. Uh, This was hilarious to me because every time I watch an episode, I'm like, all right, which one of you niggas is going to have acid reflux? (laughs) Which one of you niggas is going to sit there talking about, ooh, my shoulder hurt. It's about to rain. Which one of you niggas is going to ask for the Tiger Bomb? (laughs) And which one of you niggas is carrying the Tylenol PMs? I know it's definitely not Heather because Heather Heather came in with a suitcase of liquor. So that's her Tylenol PM. So I've watched her, like, her happy hour shows. For some reason, I did not connect the fact that that was Heather from the real world. I don't know why I never connected it. Oh, really? But we'll get into my complicated relationship with Heather. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's kind of same too. Um, okay, so 
we have uh, Julie, who on her initial season, she was just, I think she was 19 years old. She wasn't an artist or anything. She was just kind of pulled out. She was the country girl. Mm -hmm. She was a country girl picked to live in a big city. But everybody else in some capacity was either a artist, Mm -hmm. musician, or a writer. Um, You also have Kevin Powell, which I've got to eat some crow with Kevin Powell. Um, You've got uh, Heather B. Heather B. was at the time a rapper. She had a deal. Um, Deal obviously went south, unfortunately, because that always happens. Um, She was given very much so Queen Latifah tease, so that's exactly why. Um, Also, she ended up transitioning into radio. Um, Most of you may know her from Sway in the Morning. Um, Then you have Andre. Andre was a musician, uh, still is a musician. I believe he's still a working musician, too. Um, He has a partner 14 years. They just had a child maybe a few years ago. So that gives you the idea of what kind of guy Andre is, which is, you know, Andre is the calm white space, I would say. Um, You've got, oh, my God, Norm. I almost, I almost called him something else. Um, you also have Norman. Uh, Norman is very truthfully, yes, Norman holds a place in queer so. history. Regardless whether we want him to or not, um, he was one of the first, well, one, mm-hmm. he was the first out gay man on reality television. Two, he was one of the first openly out gay men on reality television and I mean on TV and it wasn't in the context of dying of AIDS for God's sakes. So we actually get to see Norm have um, a true sense of character. You know, he's not just mainlined into this one AIDS victim category. You get to see ups and downs and ebbs and flows with him. So think about Norm Um, is like I could I like all that is great but I also could see queer people having the relationship with Norm that I had with Heather if that makes any sense um just because he does represent so many first and it may have been a situation where these people especially the queer people of a certain age at that time weren't either able to or ready to see themselves in that manner yeah right right i would have to like i would have to agree like very much so (laughs) um I would say being a very small child, um, Norm and I believe Pedro yeah, were the Pedro. two. Who has since that, passed on, Yeah, He passed yeah, on he early passed on, on in it. Pretty early. Um, but he went into it with that narrative of the eight, with, with being diagnosed with HIV that transitioned yeah. into AIDS. And he had complications mm-hmm. with it. But his storyline was not It wasn't about that. Just it that. just was something that was a part of his life but it wasn't his whole story yeah Yeah. that's exactly it that's exactly it 
Um, oh, we also have. We got Norm. Did we talk about? Yeah, we got Julie. We didn't talk about it, but ain't much to talk about. I mean, it ain't really ain't much to talk about. Well, Julie's growth is more so tied into the real digger, say, bigger Julie's shit. Growth, you more like Julie's story is more the juxtaposition between her and what's her face, the other one. Yes, Rebecca. Yes, Becky. It's the juxtaposition Becky. of their growth because the two of them started in the same place. And then to see where they are now. I know. I was trying to save Becky for last because I feel like the Becky transition is going to be kind of heavy. Okay, hold on real quick. Thank you. Okay, sorry about that. There was an Uber order placed. Yeah, no, it's fine. Okay, so I think that was actually a very necessary pause in between the break mm-hmm. <laughs> to give us a chance to really gather ourselves when it comes to um, now diving well, into the world. Well, then it was Kevin. Becky. Kevin and Becky had the most complicated relationship. Yeah. yeah. I'm so I don't want to. So this is, I I don't want to put, I want to be careful about how I navigate Mm -hmm. this, right? Um, I want it, I want this conversation to navigate through Becky being the main person in this because Kevin is nothing more than a bystander, essentially. And you know what I mean? And and first, let me just say this. The reason why I said, the reason why I said it the way I did is because me personally, Kevin was mm-hmm. a key factor in my complication of relationship with Heather. Right? So that's oh. why I phrased it in the way okay. that I did. Well, okay, let's start, start there? there. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a better place okay, to start. So this came on in 92, right? The, the initial season came one in 92. I saw it in 92, but I was also like eight. So it Same. didn't. I wasn't eight, but I so saw it So it was too. like, when I saw it, it was just like at that time, I was like, how cool would it be to go live in this loft and get to do all this fun stuff? Because I'm eight, right? So then I rewatched it when I was 18. And at that age, I didn't know black people that didn't live in my version of blackness, right? And I was very much in that place that it's like, if you have people listening to you, you need to have something to say. Because... Mm -hmm. We know what 92 looked like, but a lot of people don't know what it was like in Cincinnati, where I was at 18, at that time. So, the year I turned 18 is the year that Cincinnati had riots. That was, because that was the year that Timothy Thomas was killed by the police. He was unarmed. He was shot in the back. There were riots behind it. The cop that shot him eventually did get off and is actually still a working police officer in another community. 
But I don't. Yeah, I nah. don't doubt it. But so my eighteen year old mind, that's where I was, right? Because I'm like, oh, y'all have all this attention and y'all not saying that. Y'all are wasting opportunities. So when I watched mm-hmm. this at eighteen. I strongly identified with Kevin, right? Because he used every moment to make sure he was saying something of importance. Even in situations Mm -hmm. where they may have just been having fun, it was still every moment was used to say something of importance. Like, while you have this time, you use it. Meanwhile, Heather, she's like, I ain't on that shit. I want to party. I want to have fun. I want to do my music. And I felt like she was wasting an opportunity, right? I like I that was and this is why I was like I can't I can't vibe with her because I feel like she's squandering this stage because it's like as black people we don't get the opportunity to be heard like this and she's not using it right so I purposely didn't rewatch the season before I watched Homecoming and it was a very conscious choice because I wanted to walk into homecoming still carrying my feelings from when I was 18. So I get that. When I watch this. No. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so when I watched Homecoming, I was forced to sit and really decipher why I felt the way I felt about Heather at the time. And I realized, you know, at my very grown over 30 mind now that my feelings about her didn't have anything to do with the fact that she was squandering quote unquote an opportunity and more to do with a slight level of envy that she was able to live in a very free way that I wasn't. So, uh, huh. That's why I say Kevin was a big part of why I felt like I felt about Heather. Because it was like, because of the way that the place that I was in at that time, it was very much like, yes, he's doing it the right way. He's doing. And then it's like, now it's like, there's no right way to be black, right? There's no right way to be black Mm -hmm. in public. There's no right way to do any of that. But, you know, growing up, we're taught that there Mm -hmm. is. And it's like, you get this tunnel version of what blackness looks like. And this is just whatever you see, yeah. whatever you taught, whatever you learn in your, in your area, right? Because everybody's black in the same way that you are. So mm-hmm. coming into this, I walked in with this, oh, Heather's about to get on my nerves, when in reality, it, sh- it should have been, I needed to check my own issues with other people's blackness. Because I was so set on, because I was always told that my blackness wasn't enough because of the things that I enjoyed or things I was into. You know, I was an insane fan. and Like, I wasn't black enough, so I started doing that to other people. And... Mm-hmm. In watching this, I realized that, and I, I mean, not just, I didn't just realize it now at my big age. I've realized it along the way, but it helped me to recognize that I didn't dislike her. I was envious of her. 
And the fact that at such a young age, she was so secure in who she was and her version of blackness and everything else. And I wasn't there. So Yeah. Actually, they both yeah. were. And they both, the way that they both exhibited their blackness, especially in that first um, season, was in is was super profound um i would say i have to eat a little bit of crow because looking back at 92 and having those memories of um his interactions with the women on the cast and him him honestly having a level of aggression and passion Mm -hmm. behind it when you now that I'm older and you stop and you think about sensationalism and yeah. editing and the shit that I personally myself have done and have said, it's when I was younger, it was that idea of the angry mm-hmm. black man, especially at that time, because all of the images that we saw of black people were very strategic and very yes. specific. And then 92, we're Where in the middle of the, the conversation, Ryan's, you know, Rodney King had just happened. And mm-hmm. every time you see Kevin, he's screaming at these white women. He's screaming. At these powering white women, right? That's it too. Like, that is they part very, of it too. They very, they, it's like it was carefully crafted to fit that angry black man stereotype. And, and it, it did. did. But it resonated with me because those are the type of people I was used to. See, it didn't his he didn't resonate with me until I was old enough to understand not only the perspective, the complexity, and his writings mm-hmm. in and of itself. And in reading that shit as I got older, it's it clicks. Yeah. It clicks. And it you being that same person that had that exact mm-hmm. same level of anger. Um See, it resonates with me. resonated with me, especially at eighteen. You knew me at that time. I was hell of annoying. Like I was you know, I was hyper, hyper black. Like, oh, every, you know, I was, that's who I was. And then also, at the time of the first airing of this, when I was eight, my family was firmly in the Nation of Islam. So, oh, girl. I was used to being around those type of people. Bitch, I will say, you could probably make me a be- mean ass bean pie, bitch. I've been wondering one for a long time. I haven't done it in a while, but I definitely can but I was used to that, right? My grandma used to play Farrakhan recordings in the house. Like, I was used to that. That wasn't... Hearing, especially black men, speak that loud and passionately about racial subjects wasn't foreign to me. Like, I grew up in a right. house that... I grew up in a situation where I don't know the Star Spangled Banner, but I know every word to lift every voice and sing, right? That's how I grew up. Okay, We weren't yeah. allowed to say the pledge when I was a kid. It was like, no. My mom would send notes to school like, my kids don't say this. So. I know, that's right. That, that was just everyday life for me. Like, that type of person, that's who I was used to being around. That's who I was. That's why I never even thought about that. I didn't even think about that in that sense until watching Homecoming now. 
because that has never been foreign to me. So Mm -hmm. I'm used to white people pretending to be scared when they're around me or the men that I know and stuff like that. I'm used to, so even watching it at 18, that didn't even resonate. It literally did not turn over until right now. I see, I grew up not nation of Islam, but it was a combination of that and, essentially being taught how to acclimate into white society in order for levels of success Mm -hmm. and security, which creates its own Mm -hmm. issues that I, of course, want to go back to therapy for to help try and work that shit out. Um, But I also grew up as the counterpoint with that is my, I always hear the story about my grandfather, like grandfather growing up in the South, punch a white dude in the face, was sitting on the first train smoking up Mm -hmm. here. That's how he met my grandmother and like, and even my mother, like beating this man in the head when she worked at a, a department mm-hmm. store with a phone because he got a little too wild. He got a little too, you know, he came yeah. out of pocket. Like I hear these stories about like these black bodies who defend themselves, but also have this really fucked up juxtaposition of like having to navigate into a white world so that this other aspect of it where you don't where you have to defend yourself isn't even a thing so that you can have some level like you can have a little level of safety a level of quote-unquote safety a level of Mm quote-unquote security like these ideas and these concepts that they wanted all of us to have that the only way that they saw that we could have it was Mm -hmm. to do that (laughs) um i also so with heather I got Heather. I I really got Heather because Heather just had a goal. She was like, I just rap. And that was all she gave a fuck about. <laughs> and any of the other shit that happened in the house, she didn't really give a fuck about. Unless it was involving yeah. her. Um, And it was really interesting to watch the conversations that Heather and Kevin are having now. Where they're like, you know, we know each other, but we don't really know each other. And to watch them Mm -hmm. sit together and discuss where they were at that time openly and honestly, um, it it, that was so important. It very much was. Because I know, and I mean, I could see it then, but he even said it now. He did not feel supported by her. Especially in those situations. No, he didn't. And she's just like, I was young. I wasn't in that place. I didn't want to talk about that. I wanted to do my music. I wanted to have fun. I wanted to make right. the best, of, the most of this experience. And I now, I get that. Also, too, if you're growing up in some black ass shit and your parents are like, your parents are making a decent amount of money, you're in a like, quote unquote, decent black neighborhood. This isn't something that you grow up necessarily thinking about. Because you're not in a place. Like, you know racism exists, but you don't understand the complexities of it because you necessarily haven't had... And Exactly. That was kind of my reckoning as I was watching this because it's like... Because at 18, because, you know, brain's not fully developed, you can't process that other people's situations, worldviews, lifestyles, everything else put a frame on how they 
move, operate, and look at things, right? You don't yeah. process that at all. It's just like, bitch, why don't you see what's happening? Because everybody else can see it. Why can't you? Right. So in that, it was very much, I I didn't, and I'm not going to say grace because that's not what it is because you don't need grace to be who you are. I just didn't have an understanding of that type of blackness because I didn't grow up that way. I didn't live in that way. I didn't, I grew up in a space where these things were always on the forefront. How you present mm-hmm. yourself as a black person moving through the world was always at the forefront. How you speak, yeah. how loud you speak, how soft you are, how you, like that's where I came from. So it was, and then we went to Cincinnati where it became even more important because now I'm in a space that's predominantly white which I had never been in before. And it was not just predominantly white, but it's in a space that it's common for if there is a group of black people doing whatever, everybody else in the room going to look at you as if you know these people. So Mm -hmm. that was my mind frame at 18. Now I can see and my worldview has been opened up and I can understand that people's version of blackness come from their story, their history, their lived lived experiences. experiences. And Mm -hmm. it, I mean, I hate to say, I hate saying this because it's so overused, but truly blackness isn't a monolith, right? You, there isn't one correct way to be black. No, thank God. Thank God we're having that. Thank God that that is part of the discussion now. But it's... And thank God that, like, the Oreo bullshit is starting to subside. please, please, please. One, and I say this to black and white people, please stop telling your children that they... I say this first, it's a two-part thing, but black people... Stop telling your children that they talk white because they use proper English. It is toxic. It is right. damaging. It is awful. And I grew up hearing that yes. because we weren't allowed to use slang in the house. And we had to use proper Same. English. And because my mom said, what y'all not going to do is go out in the street and embarrass me. You ain't going to come in this house on my IB. You be what? You going to be yeah. in your room. So That's we what were, I would do. Uh, and yeah, we had to be very specific about what we wanted. Like we just weren't allowed to do that. We, my parents were the grammar police that we weren't allowed. Now, granted, yes, mm-hmm. correct people's grammar is elitist and weird. I understand that. That's why I tend not to do it. But them theirs be kicking y'all ass anyway. <laughs> also, to. Like, I ain't going to talk because my grammar is yeah. like shit. And I, I mean, correct grammar is really elitist and weird. And that's also why this country don't want free college because those degrees are another symbol of, hey, I'm superior and ain't got shit to do with intellect because we know some dumbass niggas with degrees. It's just, it's very elitist Girl. and weird. But it's... Majority of them work in planning and development at the city of Detroit. At any I'm city, say. fuck. <laughs> they all fuck. 
all of you niggas need to go back and ask for a motherfucking refund because you niggas are ignorant. You're stupid. You're worthless. You're a waste of fucking time. And you wasted your money. You learned nothing. But, um. Sorry, I just had to rant about that. Stop putting boulevards on random fucking streets. Yes. And also, Damn. white people, there's two things that nobody that is black around you wants to hear. And I need y'all to stop saying this shit because what's going to happen is y'all going to start getting punched in the face and not knowing why. One, when y'all tan, we never want to hear I'm almost as dark as you. That's the quickest way to get punched in your shit. We don't want to hear it. Don't say that bullshit. Don't. It's racist. It's weird. It's gross. Don't say it. Now, hold on, because I've had a couple of white friends that have like gotten so dark that they burned themselves. I was like, damn, bitch, you better look out. The police going to be looking for you. <laughs> Next thing. Please know that it is different when black bodies it's, say that shit to when you. Black, when black people acknowledge how dark you are versus you walking up unsolicited. I'm almost as black as you are. No, bitch. Right. Go away. Right. No Rachel Dolezal. Secondly, and I say this from the depths of my very black ass soul, I have reached back to the memory and the legacy of Harriet Tubman and Sojourner Truth when I say this. I will slap every portion of Jesus out of your body if you walk up to me and say you are the whitest black person I ever met. I will. I will slap literally. So I've gotten I, that. I've gotten from it from black people and white black people. people. I get more it from white, white people and black, but I was also in Cincinnati. Just more people around me. I, when I tell you I will yeah. reach back and touch the hem of Harriet's garments and slap the dog shit out of you if you say that to me. Bitch, you did not say <laughs> the, the tattered, dog-torn, <laughs> thorn, ripped-ass hem of Harriet Tubman's garments. I will slap reparations out of you if you say that shit to me. <laughs> <clears throat> Also, speaking of reparations, make sure you go into our um, our the links in both of our bios. I'm Lee from the underscore D on IG. She's fashionably underscore yes. now on IG. You want to talk about reparations? Click the links in all of our bios. Give us all the likes, the loves, the hugs, the, the kisses, the coins, the, and what have you. Buy the merch. Do the follow crime and wine on Instagram to get the do buy all the merch, of it. Do the things we. See, look at that. I see a motherfucking segue. <laughs> <laughs> Just a quick, you know, always be repping the brand. <laughs> but yes, th- those it? are things that we don't want to hear. But those are also things that I had to grow and understand. Because for a while, I would ignore those things. For a long time, I just would ignore them. I would just walk away and I would ignore those things. Those are things that I had to grow and understand. Like, no, bitch, this is not okay. You don't let people say this bullshit to you. This is not okay. Right. Like, it's not. So, and that is why I am at the place now in my life that if I hear in either one of those things, when I say Harriet will leave her rice on the table just to beat your ass... Do not, do not say that shit to me. <laughs> to freedom! <laughs> to freedom. 
Uh, what did Simone say? I saw a room full of white people. I got a, got a little nervous. Just like, <laughs> and this is not like this is not a threat necessarily, but to me, it's an establishing because those two things to me and this people can say I'm extreme, or whatever. But those two statements are the equivalent of spitting in my face. Therefore, I have to beat your ass. I mean, yeah, that's just what it is. <laughs> <clears throat> I have had. The number of black people that have asked me, where are you from? I said, what do you mean? I said, I'm from here. It's like, I know, but we're from here. Or, or, well, no, I get a lot too. Oddly enough, I get a lot too. And this shows you how like ridiculous mm-hmm. Midwestern people are. Because I'm Midwest. I am a meat and fucking potato boy. I am a fucking pierogi eating Midwest boy to the fucking core. Okay. Eve down to the is it what is it Wisconsin old fashioned with a little bit of squirt yeah. whiskey top with a cherry yeah. all that bullshit. I am a Midwest boy, okay. Yeah. Where are you from, New York? No, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on a fast track to heart disease and diabetes. I'm from here too. I get what country are you from? Hold, please, because I bitch, feel like you know what. Oh, breathe, breathe. Oh, God. Okay, put your put it on mute. Put it on mute. Put it on mute. Make sure you put it on mute. Okay, good. Woo! I was scared for your children, girl. I was, my heart rate is up. It was just the, I need a it was Xanax. Just the top of the cocktail. <laughs> oh, what? Bo over there getting lit? No, I think Brooklyn might have knocked it down. She's over near the wine cooler. I think she, she knocked it down. Okay. I'm like, this nigga sitting there, is he having the vodka? Is he having a martini where it's shaking vodka and then the vermouth is shaking we in a separate drink glass? Vodka in this house, but that's how he would build his cocktail. <laughs> um, okay, kind of just quick side note. Do you remember when Paula Deen's racist shit came out and all of Twitter was talking about Paula Deen's racist yes. side dishes? The one that always stays in my mind is black beans and white rice on separate but uh-uh. equal plates. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, racism can sometimes be Often hilarious, y'all. It is. That's called Often trauma. Oftentimes it's hilarious. That's it's called trauma. It's because we're trained to believe stuff. But anyway, so let's. Well, getting into racism. Let's get into it. <laughs> Um, all right. So everyone moves in the house. So we got to do a little setup because I, I want to definitely touch on this one thing because I really appreciate this. So um, everyone's slowly but surely coming into house, uh-huh. right? This bitch Heather brings a fucking full ass suitcase of alcohol beverages. Like just liquor. She done brought a whole rolling train case of just the liquor. Of alcohol and gave it a bed. 
and gave it a fucking bed. She said, this is the bar. <laughs> so Heather came into this with the mindset of, oh, these my people. I ain't seen them in a long time. We gonna get fucked up. We gonna have some fun. We're just gonna hang out and catch. Like Heather came into it in the way that yeah. I would have. Where it's just like, I ain't seen y'all in years. years. I just want to so have some fun. We gonna eat. We gonna drink. Since the fucking and now 90s. And my career is, I cook and make cocktails. So oh, I'm coming, coming to feed and, and get you niggas liquored up. And I'm going to record it and put it on YouTube. Yes. Like, the way Heather came in, I... It just, it was like, okay, this is going to be a good time. And then things went left. Well, Heather and Julie. Julie came in just very excited, yeah. too. Actually, I think everybody came everybody in Everybody came in really excited. excited. It was a little bit of a damper because Eric had COVID and couldn't join. Er That's who I forgot yeah. was Eric because he's he not has, in the house. He has COVID. Well, he um, had COVID. I don't know if he ends up staying sequestered the whole time or if it, like, I don't think so. I think there's going to be like probably say, the last like three episodes of Dragon's Ass. The group. Now, what annoyed me was in the sidebar. This ain't <laughs> this ain't got nothing to do with that. I was just irritated. So, in the setup to this, in the as they were setting all this up and prepping for all of this, he kept, he tweeted three times. I'm not in the house. I'm filming from a separate location. Y'all found out why when they premiere. I'm thinking this nigga done walked in, had some beef, and was like, fuck these bitches. I ain't recording with them. It's because he had COVID. <laughs> well, they really tried to make this, like, COVID shit, like, the yeah. thing for them yeah. with Eric. Like, they really did. Like, they made it the seem like. He was in 92. Because in 92, when he was right. and drinking and angry and running around, fucking whoever he wanted and, like, and now he's like Zen master and just kind of like super calm. And <laughs> he's just a pace of peace, prosperity, exactly. and spirituality. Like, and it was, and Eric's presence, I feel like if Eric was actually in the house, everything as far as the conversation the that we're going to get went, into would have been gone different. Like that. It would, I think it would have been more productive had Eric been present for it moderating yeah. he would have been the perfect yeah. moderator for it um okay so setup right so heather got the bar sis came with the drinks and the food she said it's happy hour every day and we're having we're on vacation mm -hmm. niggas and we're having a and when good I say, time say, we done left our kids and our jobs cooked. like i was like damn i want some shit like that shit looks good and you know what though <laughs> but you know she'll you know, she probably cooked like that for the kids and her husband yeah. every once in a while. But she was like, oh, no, this is a she fun time. Like, I'm no, cooking I'm for you niggas. <laughs> like, they're going to be fat. <laughs> she said, we about to, all of y'all about to have cardiac arrest. So this is going to be a good ass good. time. Like, I was like, damn, I want to play. <laughs> so did you notice when, okay, so when Becky gets in, right, she takes that executive yeah, suite pretty much by herself. It irritated me because right. I kind of remembered her. I, I remembered, not kind of, I remembered how she was on the season. I was like, oh, this bitch ain't changed at all. Like, when Norm said, oh, well, you have a bath. Like, you got, you got a bath. Like, oh, it's another shower. And they're up. supposed to be friends. Like, 
here, let me show you yeah. where it is. They're supposed to be right. friends. That shouldn't even neither one of us own this place. Why you would it matter? We're here for what? Like that's wild. It's not yours. You're not paying for it. Nothing that is belongs to you. Bitch, you ain't paying for it. <laughs> yeah. And it leads up into the and that's why I want to do just a little bit of mm-hmm. leeway into that. Because it helps to frame the type of person yeah. that we're talking about, yeah. right? So the group is sitting around and they get a message on the TV mm-hmm. and it brings up the most infamous Kevin Powell clip that had followed him through his entire yes. career. Um, it shaped the way the world, even black America saw Kevin Powell. And it was a confrontation between him and Julie, as well as a confrontation between him and yes. Becky. And the difference between the conversation between him and Julie is that at some point they were able to make Find amends. Find common ground. Not only way, that. Yeah. And Julie was also able, like, Julie left that experience and realized what mm-hmm. was happening. She's like, I have been sheltered. I have some things that I need to figure out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Meanwhile, she's leaving. Was Mobile, it Mobile? She's living in black ass Mobile, Alabama. Not mobile, Mobile, Alabama. Anymore? The thing about it is, like most places in Alabama, especially when you get into those small towns, it's very separated. Like, it's like. Okay, yeah, I get that. You could live in. Well, one, Mobile really ain't that black. It's not. Because most of them don't. They don't. They live in the other small towns around Mobile, right? Because, you know, my my family lives in Livingston. So. They treat it like yeah. Detroit. It's like that yeah. metro area so idea. Because like, I look at, like, Livingston and Cuba and all those little small towns. This is, and anybody listening to this in Alabama will know that I have spent time there because there's no other way you would know these damn towns if you have never been there. Because... Girl, I didn't know there was a Cuba beyond Livingston, Castro. Cuba, York, those are all very black. Like a nigga ran up on you. I was scared. (laughs) Oh god. Oh my god. I can't breathe. I'm lightheaded now. Oh my god. Into the room. I'm sorry. That one you gotta laugh at. Like you can be mad, but you gotta laugh at that one. Like, girl, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Bitch, you turned around quick. I'm like, oh my god, is it a robber? Bitch, no, is it a ghost? Like, is it a bee? Like, which child is this, and why are you in uh, here? Because I don't understand. While we're here, Girl, I am dying now. Oh shit! Okay. Oh, I can't breathe. Back to what I was saying. 
Ooh. If you think about those towns in Alabama, right? Those towns are very black and very, very poor. Like, they're very poor mm-hmm. towns. Like, I remember when Cuba, Alabama got Wi-Fi. So, like, I remember in post-high school, my parents still, my grandparents still having dial-up in their house. Like, I remember this. Post-high oh school, right? Um, down, there was a period where if you ain't had AT&T down there, you couldn't get phone service. They were literally the only people around. Damn. And this was, like, post-high school, damn near post-college for me. Right? Because I was in Chicago, for at this time so I was damn near finished with college by the time like at this point so it's like those areas are very black but also very poor and then you go into Mobile which is the city you know whatever it's not it's not exactly city problem it's not close but it's not far it's Alabama so shit spread out right it's not far because it's not like Eh, it don't take long to get there. Like, I've been there. It don't take long. Like, what, 20 minutes? I couldn't tell you exactly how long. I don't want to say it and it has come up to me. I don't remember exactly how long. But it don't take long. But this is also an area where if you want to go to the mall, you either go to Meridian in Mississippi or you go to Mobile. So that's the type of area that this is. So okay, so it feels it feels slightly reminiscent yeah, of here, but it's 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 not abnormal that she never saw black people, that she didn't know any black people. Like that's not that's not abnormal. Like, yeah, that's not that's not outside of the realm of possibility. Or she might have known one. You know, it's just. Or I was thinking that she had a few, but it's different. It's a different to. Uh know their names instead of knowing who they are and that's people so that's why that story her saying like her talking like that never never even bothered me because one you got at eight the only white people i knew was teachers because in detroit at that time it really wasn't a white people in the city like that so nope they did not want to come near now they all so to hear somebody say oh, I didn't grow up around black people. That wasn't abnormal to me because I didn't grow up around white people. I didn't know them. If they weren't teachers, right. I didn't know them. So it was like, I know I know she kind of went through that whole, like she didn't understand how she went through her whole life not knowing blah, blah, blah. But, and I get that and that's admirable, but at the same time, it's not unheard of. Hell, there was a period of time that I thought white people were born adults because I had never met a white child. So, I mean, just speaking my truth, I didn't know any. I had never met them. I did not know. I did not know that white people were children for a long time. <laughs> oh, so that would explain the suffragette movement, considering that they were pushing out whole ass <laughs> Iron jawed angels. No wonder they kept the I black women in the back. <laughs> children. <laughs> no, that was children just. Children are stupid. But uh, also... No, that's actually like. It was just. 
it gave a little bit of a joke, but it goes into like Becky's yeah, mind, like Becky's very frame much so. of her, thinking very, as very well. Very much her frame, which because she, she really wasn't coming from a place of harm. It genuinely was. I just don't know. I don't believe this. This is the thing, though. I find her place is being okay. So wait, let's backtrack to okay. Julie just for a second. I am extremely proud of Julie. Oh wait, growth. that's what I was talking about. Not Becky. Um, I was talking about Julie. <laughs> Oh, okay. Um, I'm I'm proud of her growth. And in the midst of this conversation that we'll get into that happens with Becky and Kevin, Julie tries to mitigate it in the way of discussing it solely with Becky of you're missing these points. And she does it in a way that is not offensive, but it, in a way that every white person in the midst of these conversations should be doing, where it's, you're not yeah. listening and you're missing all of this. You need to hear what he has to say before you actually speak. And she, it was not an attack. It was very comfortable and comforting for both parties, to be the honest. Between, the thing between Julie and Becky is like, because, you know, they come from a very similar place. So that's what I'm saying. When I was talking about just kind of the circumstances. Well, Becky also comes from yeah, money. Well, yes. But I was, I'm was i talking about just geographically similar, right? So that's why I was talking about the circumstances of not knowing blah, 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 and being where they were in 1992. It's not, it's not not understandable. But the fact that 30 years later you're still there is unacceptable. Because Julie took mm-hmm. the lessons and took what was being said to her and opened her eyes and did the work and got her ass out there and made a point to know these things. Even when she was talking about, you know, when they were doing the anniversary of Salem and everything, and she's like, wait a minute, I'm down the street. Packed her kids up and took her Sorry, what the hell am I doing? Why am I watching this? It's that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff, whereas Becky was just comfortable in her whiteness and didn't have to do it. She's like, well, I dance, and I dance with all these different types of people. And there's no race there. And it's like, oh, we got wait, girl. we got to hold on to that because we got to get into that because that that in and of itself is one of the most biggest that problematic things off. that she said. Same, <laughs> same. Um, okay, sorry y'all, I'm crunching on a mint because I I fucked up this cider, but this one specific cider fucks my breath up because I'm also smoking weed at the same time with COVID, which my chest is inflamed and i don't give yeah, a fuck sure. i didn't ask for this and covid is just gonna have to deal with this deal with my raggedy <laughs> ass i'm glad you can make jokes through um, this. okay i actually don't feel yeah. too bad i just like i said i just feel like i have a like bad sinus infection which is yeah, a fucking no, blessing because it, it could be, be way, way worse, worse. Yeah. Not gonna no i'm it. glad that you still feel good enough to like i mean we're still talking we're still doing this so yeah like i'm a little loopy but loopy works great for public yeah loopy Um, works great for podcasts okay (laughs) so we see the clip with kevin and julie then we also see the clip with kevin and Uh becky and that's the one becky is that was probably the most problematic one that leads into this two episode discussion where the most triggering thing was to see him trying to learning from his mistakes and trying to navigate this conversation 
with this white woman who is constantly being disrespectful and pressing buttons like you could see the fire burning While he's apologizing and you can see the to her for the way uh, he spoke to, to her, her in 92 uh, while he's apologizing you for could not being see able it stewing but still trying to drive the point home that she did not get in 92 and it's still not getting right now it still does not get so Becky apparently comes from money, which I don't remember, I remember that at all. Because according to her, well, you know, 92, she was a starving artist, which I have to remember. A lot of white starving artists exactly. come from wealthy families, especially exactly. here. Especially everywhere, yeah. Yeah. So Becky is regaling everyone with her house know, in the south of France her, and her, her trips and her, her time, time in London. London how her kids just love to sail the Mediterranean and Right. Meanwhile, Norman, his entire life has just collapsed due to COVID. Due to COVID. Yeah. Like most, like, like Norman, most working artists, like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and not just working artists because he had a product. Yeah. So it was like the a laptop, laptop stand, stand. Yeah. Which I've seen. I've seen them around because you know I have kids. Of course, I've seen them. I've seen them on Amazon. I've, I've never seen them on seen Amazon them. because I've never I was seen looking them. for one for for Brooklyn for my my kid because I like something that she said to prop it up while I wash her hair, but I mm-hmm. needed one that I could put over her instead of sitting on the counter. That's why I didn't get it, but I've definitely seen it. That thing when I when he pulled that shit out, I said, "Oh, I need that." <laughs> I in think my it's life. still available on Amazon, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, no, I'm going to get it because I be using all kinds. Of, I use my board games depending <laughs> on what I'm doing. I'll use my board games yeah. to prop shit up. Mm-hmm. Seriously. So to have something like that is like perfect. Uh, but like I was saying, meanwhile, Norman's entire life has like been decimated. Like all of his streams of uh, income have all dried up due to yeah. due to the pandemic. He is now working at, at a his, bakery in Ironwood, Michigan, bakery, Girl, I live in Michigan. I have never I heard have, of a day in my black ass life. Um, I completely understand why you have not, <laughs> but I have heard of it. What was the name of the town that Roseanne lived in when before she was racist? Fucking no. On the oh, show, um, <laughs> Lancaster or something. Lank. I don't fucking know. I don't remember. You know how long it's been since I seen that damn show? <laughs> it's something, it reminded me of, like, the idea of Ironwood reminded me specifically of that one fictional town. It's not, well, Illinois. fictional, huh? But. I thought it, I thought it was fictional. I didn't it's think it was not a town. real town, but it is very much based on a real town in Illinois that I have been to. Okay, yeah. And these people very much look like the cast of Red Oh, I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it. I'm not going to say Midwest all day, flannel. But it's there. It exists. Gang, gang. Girl, (laughs) it's the flannel gang. You better get out of here. We like flannel. We like potatoes. We like meat. And we like whiskey. We also like fucking. So if you want to get down, the Midwest boys are really where it's at. 
Fuck these old workout boys all the rest around the world. No, we like to fucking feed. You better get You're the right. fuck on. You're right. <laughs> um, okay. I'm sorry, that but Mata Lobo is really just hit my ass. ass. Also, this brownie yeah. just hit me too. Kicking your ass over there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So they begin to revisit the discussion between Kevin and Becky um, that they had in 1992. Uh-huh. And as you were saying, Kevin is Kevin went above and beyond by apologizing for the way that he presented his uh-huh. argument in the discussion. However, he still said his points stand, which they very much so still do. And they're very much and still Becky relevant. refused. Yes. But she refused any source of any sense of like acknowledgement or truth behind that. Which for and I'm going to say this for any man to be seen on camera, regardless of race, but really indicative of race to be yelling at a woman in particular, Uh a white woman. It is not a good look. So you, when you are presented with that opportunity, unfortunately, you have to figure out the way to bite that bullet, but not to get a, but not take a full yeah. chew on it. Yeah. You you acknowledge the fact that I came off as this, and I'm because sorry for that. Not my intention. Properly. However, that does not change what i was saying my argument still like what i was saying. saying is still very relevant regardless of even it regardless of the way i said it what i said was still very much important so i can very much apologize for the way i said it and the way i approached it and mm-hmm. the way that i communicated these mm-hmm. things to you but that does not change the messaging exactly and this woman, the way she presented not only herself as well as her argument was, I am more black than you because I have yes. done these things and I have cleansed myself of, of white and of whiteness. And I am not of these systems because I have danced in these international dance troops and I have done this and that. And it's just like that. That honestly, but didn't stop to think that as a person, just in general, having the capability and the funds to be able to access this kind of stuff on your own free time is a fucking Mm -hmm. privilege that many of us are not afforded. And you, and to, so how dare you? To insert your whiteness in these cultural spaces as a way to see this is what this is what really annoyed me about that entire that whole statement because it's a it's like a three it's like a fork right it's three or four things about this that happened all at the same time that got on my damn nerves let me live we were watching the yep. Little Mermaid so you know that's what happens but um. <laughs> So on Under the Sea. Under the I Sea. I hate the Little Mermaid, but my kids like it. So. Fair. It's but also fair. Ursula. All you need. All you need. Everything. Anyway, part one. So if we go by prong by prong, because I'm going to break down exactly why. For any 
any white person that is listening to this, because y'all are the ones that need to hear this, exactly why saying things such as, I have cleansed myself of race because I have been involved in these culture, these spaces of people of color is problematic and even... No, no, these no, no. black spaces. These black Sorry, spaces. Sorry, I'm not going to say because she definitely said Africans, very specifically. These black spaces. Why yep. is not only problematic, but probably one of the most racist things you can do. Number one, you are completely discounting the fact that your whiteness afforded you the privilege to be in these spaces because the level of financial security that was that is afforded partly in because of your whiteness. Two, you have now yes. shifted the burden of your learning to black bodies instead of taking the time to do the work on your own. Three, while having the money to take your money ass to somebody's to school, you have all the access or pay some black ass person to do it. You have all the access and resources to do it, yet you inserted yourself in these very black spaces because this is your cleansing. Three, and I'm going to say that I'm going to sit up for this one because I want y'all to hear me when I say this shit. Black people are not here to bear the burden of your white guilt. We are not here for no. it. We are. We do not have to have those conversations. Wait, unless that burden comes with I financial compensation. Say, we do not have to have those conversations <laughs> for free. Teachers get paid, bitch, and so do I. We do not have to Thank bear you your emotional burden with no benefit to us. Stop asking us to. We don't have to. We ain't going to. Find somebody to teach you that you are willing to pay. If you really want to know, go go find a black person and say, I will pay you $30 an hour if you can sit and answer my questions for me. Or, bitch, go find your good sis Google because the bitch is free. There's so many sick pieces out there. You can, find, you can do the work. At least make the effort to do the work before you approach me to have this conversation. Because if you're not making an effort, bitch, you have to pay me. I would say this would be the effort. Hey, so I'm interested in these things. What, what websites should I be looking should for? should I be looking for? I'm Boom. willing Happy to, to always have the conversations with you just like any other black person is willing to have the conversations with you if we first see you are doing the work. Oddly enough, I just had the same conversation when we were talking about trans people. But neither here nor there. But, and number four, the fourth part of why this is racist. Because you did not say this in a way, you specifically, this woman, did not say this in a way that explained your mindset and your experience and your, your journey, your growth. You said it as a weapon. You weaponize inserting yourself mm -hmm. in these black spaces as a way yes, to say, I'm not racist because look, it's the same thing that you see like Trump supporters do when they throw up Candace Owens. It's the same thing. It's like, stop mm -hmm. weaponizing your time spent with people of color, specifically with black people, because that tells me right off, you did not do it because you genuinely wanted to make progress in your life. You did it for whatever this appearance of not being racist or not being bigoted or whatever else. 
you did not do it for the right you did reason. it to center you yourself did, you did in it to make it in a very way of much quote unquote about having you. racist and you, That's you made exactly this it was. it was something this you very wanted black to do experience and not just you. a very black experience it's a very black cultural experience centered around your whiteness something that most of us have centered not around had. your whiteness and then turned around and weaponized it against this black man who's trying to explain to you that he does not care about the stuff that you have he wants to know what you're doing to make the world better that's it that's it and not only did she do that but she also immediately after that turned around and said well i'm, I'm being, being attacked, attacked. And the thing about and everybody was like, "Oh, because everybody girl. says this." It's very <laughs> you cannot just say, "Yes, they do." I'm being attacked. You're not being attacked. You're being held accountable. You're being questioned. And even saying, "I'm feeling attacked," is something different than saying, "I'm being attacked." Because when you shout, attacked. "I'm being attacked," you're making a definitive when you shout, statement. I'm being attacked as a white person speaking to black people, especially a white woman speaking to a black man, and you yell, "I'm being attacked." <laughs> it, it very much sets. It changes the tone. It changes the mood. It yeah. sets an idea in place that you're not safe. And I, I will give you even to a very minute degree of feel versus am like feel is a feeling that she's having. And that is something that she could be feeling that. So we can't say shit about that. But she made a very you definitive, dis- you a definitive say, statement. Attacked. You said I am being. Attacked. You said I am being, and that's attacked. different. Because we're not going to invalidate your feelings. Your feelings are your feelings. We won't invalidate that. You have the right to feel however you feel. But when you say I am being attacked, that's different. <laughs> right, and that, and throughout. All of this conversation, you just see the tension and and discomfort built yes. in Kevin and in his face and his, like he, it it kind of feels like he just begins to shut down out of a way yeah. of self protection, because he's like, I'm not gonna get on here like, and I'm not, not gonna, gonna do, do that this. To me again. That's exactly what it was, and thankfully so. Thankfully so, Julie and Norman step in in the way that they should have in that mm-hmm. situation. And thankfully so, Heather didn't even have to say shit because it's, it's not, not their, either it's of those not black, black people's responsibility. And it's not their fight. And this is what I always say. Racism and white supremacy is not a black problem. That is a white problem. White people it's have not- to fix that. That's not, it don't matter how much we march and yell and scream. It's not our, That's it. we didn't break it. It's not our problem to fix. This is not our broken toy. Y'all have to fix this. So racism is not like, it's not, it's not it's our not, issue. I mean, it is our issue because it's it our affects issue us. Because we're affected, but we but didn't cause not, this. It's not our broken toy to fix. It's not. No. At all, and it 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 was comforting to see after really seeing a very long and drawn out, triggering yeah. ass discussion 
where everyone was attempting to allow a, a, a real organic dis, uh, discussion to happen. Everyone except the one that needed But they to saw it was going to... Except for the one that was engaged in it. Because in the it, fact that she, everybody else was talking about how they felt in that moment. And she's like, well, let me talk because I was involved. She already centered the conversation around her from the beginning. The conversation was already centered right. around her and her feelings. And nobody else mattered. And I know Norm kept saying, I don't want people to think that she's like a Karen because she's not like that. I'm like, she's not like that to you because you are white. You don't see that version. She, That's that exactly is what it. she's like. And no, no, no. She is like she that is. to him. Because remember, we were talking she about is the like bathtub. That to him, but he can't see it because he sees this as he, he doesn't, doesn't see it, see as, it as, as that. But it's all one and the same. She's very much that person. It she's is. Selfish. Everything she's is inter- interconnected. It's all right there. Everything is centered around her and her view. Even something as simple as the bathtub. Yep. The fact that she came in and decided this executive suite is just for me. The fact that everything about exactly. this. She tried to center this experience on her and her feelings. Just like she centered that conversation on her and her feelings. Her and her feelings yeah. and nobody else's. There was no, this is how I felt right. in the midst of that. Let me, Let me hear see how, this how you felt. You. And not only not not only was there no acknowledgement of the other people, just not just in the conversation, but in the room, there also was no. This is how I have looking back. This is how that conversation has helped me to grow and change in the way that I relate to people. See, I wouldn't have even. I didn't even I didn't need to need grow it, and change. But the if only thing see, that I needed was for her to say, "This is how I felt." Just I, I just want to know how you felt. Either. But if we're gonna take the time to hijack the conversation to center it on you, I need to know where we're going. Like, where is this train exactly. going? Since I'll give you since that. Since you're driving the bus now, where are we headed? Because if you're not taking. <laughs> she done punched the bus driver out, knocked this window out, knocked this nigga out that little weird ass yeah. bus window that oh, flaps open. And it was like, all right, niggas, this is speed. We but can't go like, below 50. She thought she was fucking. not going to have a, a more roundtable discussion on how that, which has become a very iconic part of history, has affected, yeah, yeah has affected not just you, but everybody else that was there. <laughs> We're not going to do that. And then you're also not going to talk about how you have grown from this because you haven't. Because your life is still very much focused on the material things and your your yeah. things. And your and even in the way that she was, everybody else in there catching up, she's like, yeah, in my house in the south of France. And, then, and there's no like, what have you been up to? But even but she even didn't with care Norm about anybody. his life kind of falling apart, he didn't reach out to her. He reached out to Heather. No, he reached out to Heather. And Heather was like, I got you. And he said, I'm good. I don't want to do it like that. But the fact that this is supposed to be his friend. But he didn't reach out to you. Which goes to show that you've already proven to everyone around you that if it's not centered about you, you don't care. Yep. Yeah. Well, um, Julia and Norm step in into the conversation. Norm tells Becky and to shut up. And that's when she just lost it. She I, just couldn't deal. 
she couldn't handle it because her friend Norm is telling her that she could yeah. possibly be wrong in this she and saying it take. publicly. <laughs> well, she didn't even say she was wrong. She he said, just shut said, up shut and up and listen. just listen for once. That's it. That's it. That's all. He he said, there is so much happening in the world that we don't deal with. Maybe yeah. you should just listen for once. And how dare. And she just had a meltdown. Packed her bags. Sis packed and her bags. Left. And, and then quote, just unquote, was going to leave and didn't even well, say supposedly anything left. to anybody. She just, and Norm was like, so you just leaving like that? I thought we was friends. Not anymore. Like, girl. Right. Not anymore. I thought we were too. Not anymore. It was, it was so, so like, self-centered. Like, it was just gross. And... But you know what, though? I really feel like it's just, it is the comeuppance and it is the do for the moment that Kevin yeah. had in that time. And now it's finally being done and edited in the yeah. way that it should be, where you just see the vapid you um, see her classes, for who she racist. and you see her for the person you see her for all of her is for the person and that she was actually talking to and not the way it was edited to make us think that she was right the thing is is he, the way he presented his message yeah. had changed the way she had presented not. hers did very not. much so he called her racist in 92 and, and it he was told still her, and he, he said, said it again. Hey, chill, because where you're going is very racist. And she drove full speed ahead. She said foot. She, I she girl, said, why do you think I said speed? The bus can't get below gas. 50. Out of here. <laughs> <coughs> what was it? Who's the name of the actress in speed? Yes. I don't know why Bullet. her last name escaped me. <laughs> I almost said Bernhard. Because it's Sandra yeah, Bullock and Sandra Bernhardt, and both of me. them were like big in the nineties. She said, uh, "My name is Sandra Bullock. I am not in a beauty pageant. This bus and or boat, because remember there was a boat one uh, a movie, will not get below fifty miles an hour. That that was speed two. It was. That. I had no reason to be watching speed two. <laughs> there was no reason to watch it, girl. No reason." It was like species. Like, why is like, this happening? Is this thing? Anyway, <laughs> what are doing to me? She, the bitch went full speed ahead, and then she just kept going full speed ahead and packed and thing, her bags and got the fuck full, out. Supposedly, though, yeah, because I mean, they talk about her maybe still being still in the building. In the, I know she was still in the city at least. Because she, uh, but the thing, it's not even just going full speed ahead. It's like full speed ahead and fuck all of y'all. Every Fuck single everybody. one of y'all. Even when little Miss Julie was trying her damnedest to save it, she was trying. She and she really, she tried in the most um, yeah. diplomatic way possible, where she wasn't discounting or disregarding Kevin in any way, shape, form, or fashion, and she wasn't disrespecting or demeaning. Right. Becky, she's just saying, "Hey, I just need you to hear this. Like, we this isn't how this isn't how we've grown up. These aren't the things that we've gone through, and it's important that because we're at this age and we have kids and what have you, that we be able to listen to this kind of stuff." Like, she approached it so yeah. diplomatically, so diplomatically in the most respectful way, and Becky just was 
Becky wanted a fight, and Becky, I she feel like she came in to fight. Revenge. The moment that that came up, and she mm-hmm. knew it was going to come up, I feel like she just said, "I'm going to get yep. what 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 is mine." She was she pulled she pulled an iron jaw iron jawed angel, and I keep referencing white feminism because that's the category yep. that Becky falls in where there's no intersection of, of, of identity and black women and their needs not only that but but the demonizing as well as the fetishizing mm-hmm. of black men is very deep yep. rooted into it where where black men end up in this fucked up ass category of mm-hmm. criminal where your feminism is steeped nothing more in your yep. white supremacy because let's be honest about the hmm. feminist movement I mean we can I don't know if people are ready for it but and shout out to all the like feminists of color and shout out to all the white feminists who understand exactly yeah. what the fuck we're talking about but Let's be real. The feminist movement was stupid, nothing more than white supremacy because white women felt like, how dare black men at the few black men at the time that got the right to vote? How dare they? That I am. As I am. Fuck out of here. Which is why you will never, ever, 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 ever hear me identify as a feminist. That is not something that I do. We can have the conversation about you know, equality and everything else. But I don't even, equality is bullshit to me anyway because that's 100% steeped in white comfortability anyway. So, fuck equality. Why are we fighting to be equal to be, right. to what? White people? Why is that this, why are we holding yeah, that like, as the standard, that. y'all? Why are we reestablishing what the fucking standard Cause, is? Because I'm the going fuck to out say, of here. I will continue to say it. I have said it time and time again. I just want to be left the fuck alone. That's all I want. That's fuck it. equality. They don't mean nothing because I'm not, because I think that's a moving goalpost, right? We get it, then they move it. We get it, right. then they move it. So fuck all that. Just leave me alone. Like, I just want to be able to go outside and not have to worry my, about my being shot or anything else. I want to get paid equally Harassed. for the same amount of work. I want to like I want basic shit. Just leave me alone. <laughs> followed home by black officers. Home. Like, like just leave me alone. Like, I specify black officers yeah. because I'm in a city yeah. where, you know, that's the thing. And unfortunately, a friend of mine, I had to experience that with an, there were two officers. One of them was in training, the lead officer. They were in an area that had a no trespassing sign, but it was one of those little hidden mm-hmm. bullshit parks that if yep. you're from the city, you know, and you go to, and they know that as well. There was a fire pit. The cops searched him um, and he was his, with his little white friends and he asked, you know, what's the body cam on? Um, and the officer said, no, it said something about no, but if it, if it was, it'd be held to pay. And that would make no sense. Cause that would mean that all of the footage would be captured, sir. So your intimidation factor yeah. was stupid. Um, 
It was just, it was a bunch of bullshit. So I, I want to specify too that it is not white it's cops not, alone. Cops it is police in, in general. That's just it. And these, and let me tell you something. These black cops, they got mm. something to motherfucking prove, and it is disturbing. It is gross. disgusting. Yeah, it is deplorable. And sometimes, let's be perfectly frank and honest and for real, sometimes in those interactions, they are worse than the white ones. And I don't like talking shit about black people at all in any way, shape, form, or fashion. But, but I got to be open, it, honest, serious, to, and for real with this. Talk about acclimation in the white society. Policing, blackness is very much secondary. So we're not going to. Oh, yeah. yeah no, you're blue. As if speaking you're blue. about black officers is the same as speaking of black, about black people in general. Like, we're, we can't pretend like that's the same thing. But see, it, for me, I can't pretend that it's not because it is. Granted, I have to. I have to hold that no, the as blackness portion of is, it because no, you get that, that overseer. The black, like their blackness, is a thing, and it is. It, it is existing, and it is part of. It is a factor in why they conduct themselves in the way they do within that policing sector. But we also have to look at it because it is a secondary thing when it comes to it. Yeah. And yeah. No, I get what you're saying. It's just hard for me it's, to separate. But see that's that the thing because like, I have to hold on to that more because it's a even to more me, of a critique. I don't separate, you know what I mean? I don't separate the blackness from the blue. But I just acknowledge the fact that you've made a choice. You see what I'm saying? And yes, granted, this isn't all black cows, but nobody, there's not, we're not, because... No, not at all. There are some that actually make, like, very yeah. healthy and very admirable decisions, especially the ones that mm-hmm. live in the communities but when that we they talk police, about, which that's how I mean, policing, that's how policing was done until, a certain, until the Back 60s. in the day, you know. But, when we make these critiques about policing, it is the system of policing which was born out of the system of slave catching. So we cannot act like racism yep. and segregationists and things of that nature is not very much ingrained in the in the system of policing because it was brought out of the system of slave catching. It is one and the same. Like mm-hmm. we cannot pretend as if it's not that. <laughs> okay, this is going to sound real bad, and this is going to sound real fucked up. Just kind of a side uh-huh. note of, like, white racist. Whatever happened to Jeffree Star's black boyfriend? Oh, he's suing him. He's suing Speaking him of, now, because he said he cleaned them out. Jeffree Star said that boy used him I to hope clean them out, but then he... But then he came on and he was like, oh, no, that nigga was paying me. We wasn't really together. Like, he was like, I ain't even gay. He was he was literally paying him. I don't. I believe now, that. Some, I'm not Jeffrey surprised right around with all. some other coon. I don't remember which one. But it was one of the ones that got on my damn nerves. I can't remember which one it was. I remember not liking him prior to. And here we are. <laughs> Lord. I'll yeah. look it up later. 
Because we're coming up on a year of Dramageddon. And if you don't mind, I would love to do a special episode on Dramageddon. Because as a 35-year-old man, I should not be this excited about it. But I was enthralled by all of it. And I was like, this is great. Give me more. Okay. All of it. I... Because it was un, it really was unprecedented, and it affected the way that yeah, YouTube operates shit, and Instagram operates. Because of that. Like it very much was an important thing in the, yeah. and even the way that these makeup companies partner with these influencers. A lot of stuff was affected by all that. Shit. Yes. Yeah. So we definitely can talk about it. Okay, cool. Cause I love it. It was like white people's mess, and I was like, "This is great. I'm here." For I can this. say. <laughs> okay, so back to white people's mess. It, but I do know um, what happened because I know the fallout because I work in that space. Okay, just real quick side note: some ignorant, some ignorant uh-huh. ass nigga, right, took a screen cap of the comment they left on that video of Tati yeah. crying. And this bitch said, y'all smoky eye tutorials are getting weird. <laughs> and I screamed. <laughs> I still, I will always think of that. It's like, this woman is crying her eyes out. This bitch is talking about her smoky eye tutorials are getting weird. I screamed, I screamed, I, I screamed. one of them white influencers posting crying videos, I'd be like, oh, you bitches are into the Like, it's just... Oh, no, I'm all about it. I love when black influencers do videos about like, all right, well, here's someone else's nigger, uh, yeah. nigger word apology. And I'm like, yes, I am like, all about this. Again, this is huh? great. Thank you for taking trauma and funneling it in a way that makes you money and brings <laughs> me entertainment. Good job. It was tastefully done. You're a good one. Shout out to Court Reezy. You probably never hear this, but I am... You're like 10 years younger than I am, but I am a huge fucking fan. I'm a huge fan. All right. So back to real world. Um, so Becky pack ups her, <laughs> packs her bags and ups her horse. She says she's going to ride on in down to the next floor. Because yeah, I'm pretty sure the bitch was still in the same building. Floor down. And I, we were. Uh, right. Because you have to think about like COVID yeah, like and sequestering and all of that shit. Because like, she still has to. No. She has to. She has to this quarantine and in test the, out. In the shit, so yeah. And remember when we were talking about Eric and how Eric now is different yeah. than Eric was before, and if Eric's presence was in that room, that conversation probably, possibly yeah. would have went differently. Like, Eric is the same type of, Eric has had, I want to assume, I'm going to assume, Eric has had some kind of similar experiences as Becky when people from other cultures invite you in and teach you about and you begin to experience. But Eric's way of centering himself in that is not about, oh, well, I know these people. It's about these are the things that I learned mm-hmm. about myself in this process. And um, his centering, I feel like his centering of it is um, more appreciative because yeah. of the things that he learned throughout all of his stuff. Well, meanwhile, Becky was like, I, I went to the best Russian shaman yeah. there is and I and studied I mean, with him for 20 years. years. You know that that's not 
But you know that I you said, learned from someone of color. So you didn't even get it from where it came from. You got the whitewashed version of it. I don't even know. I didn't even know what the fuck she was saying. By the time she started talking about that, I was like, okay, I'm over this. Like, I just... I didn't fast forward through it, but I was just like, okay, we'll just suffer through this, but I don't really want to hear anything else she has to say. Um, but like I said, Becky packs her bags, and if Eric was in the Eric was in the room, conversation would have went very different. Now, um, the following episode, so we get two episodes of that, and the fourth episode, the final episode, Every, it's the fallout of, and everyone's like, oh, well, Becky and Becky. Well, if Becky mm-hmm. only, if Becky only. Well, but unfortunately, Becky didn't. Becky didn't. So we can, so stop we can just stop that she, there. If only if Becky she did. Didn't. If she, what, she didn't. So there we are. She, that's the fact. Becky didn't. Um, that's the episode two that we find out about Norm. Um, which this episode, I kind of yeah. teared up a little bit. Um, so Norm is a working artist. Um, not just working artist, but also working artist as well as filmmaker. Like Norm is a working creative, which being a working creative, making money yeah. sustainably is something and, that rarely fucking happens. So when COVID happened... This- and I'm sure you will agree. As working creatives, this shit is stressful. And we spend more yeah. than a little bit of time crying in corners. Because you may make money this yes. week and next week, like, oh fuck. I don't it may be you may make money this yes. week. Yes. And it'll be two, three months before you <laughs> make money again. As a working creative, this shit is hard. You got to learn how to budget. And then you spend a lot yep. of money reinvesting in yourself. Right? Yeah. I, I've only been a working, a full-time working creative for a year. But I've been working in creative spaces in some capacity for ages. And mm-hmm. the reason why it only just became full-time is because of COVID because up until then it was too up and down that I could sustainably live there. I tried to do it when I was younger. I really did try, but I didn't, I wasn't in a place where I was responsible enough with my money that I could survive the lean portions. Right. This shit is hard. Like, it's not, this shit is not easy. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of money to be made, but making it sustainably is the, and consistently. That's the thing. Is the thing. So I, Norm's story hit me because I know that story. You know, it was my story for a while. It was, yeah. it's the story of a lot of creatives I know. It's the, it's, I know that story. I've been sitting there yep. for three, four, five weeks with $60 in my bank account. And I can tell you this. I've had $60 in my account. I have had 6000 in my account. The 60 lasted a whole hell of a lot longer. Yeah. I've had more than 6000 I've had, like, it's not that. The, See, it's that's a just, word. When you down to your last, that last holds. You know what I'm saying? Because when you get that... 
When you get that time when you up. I remember, I will never forget this. Because this, this was a, a life-changing moment for me. And it goes right into what Norm was talking about because he had a similar moment. I mm-hmm. was working on this big project for this big client, right? And at the end of it, they handed me a check for $30,000. And I was young and stupid. Like, I was so, I was way too young for that kind of money. At one time, I was young and stupid. When I say blowing money fast, I was spending like a bitch I ain't never spent before. And the wild thing, because I was young and I didn't know shit about money management, I was stupid. The wild thing is, I don't think I have any of that stuff anymore. And that's usually how it works. Out. I remember getting down to my, like, I got down to like a hundred dollars and I was like, where the fuck did all that money go? Like I had no concept of where that money went. And that is when I was like, my priorities are fucked and I need to get my shit together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> No, I get Cause that. Because I was like I mad young. I think I might have been like 23, 24 maybe. I was mad young. Like it, way too young to have that kind of money with no real financial conversations ever having had been had. Yeah. <laughs> or assistance. Yeah. Somebody to and like I didn't help even, to at navigate that, time, that. Because I was so young and not, because I grew up in a place where we, you didn't have that kind of money. It wasn't, it wasn't, you didn't plan for it because you never thought you was going to have it at one time, right? I didn't even know at that time you could get financial mm-hmm. planners. I didn't know they existed. What the fuck right, was that's a financial what I'm saying. planner? Like, I didn't know. Right? And it was so much I didn't know. And I had never really had an honest conversation about money. You know, I had never. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this, I swear I've said so many things that make me sound dumb. But growing up, right, my mom didn't pay bills in front of us. Like, so... Okay. I remember the first time I saw an actual bill. I was 17 the first time I saw one. Like, actually saw it, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, I would see them come to the house, so I knew they existed. But the first time I ever actually sat and tried to read one, I was 17. We didn't have those kind of conversations. I... I... Same. And it's funny, because me and my brother was talking about this. For a long time, I thought your house came with, like, brooms and mops and shit like that. Because I had never saw my mother buy one. And we never packed it because she would buy a new one for every every time we moved. But I never saw her buy one. So I didn't know. And it's like those little okay. life skills that you don't think about as a parent. Like, I'm just going to run and get this shit. But it's like this little shit that would help to set your kids up better for life if they see it. If they see it. You know it. what I'm saying? Exactly. It makes I it more tangible. I never saw her pay pay rent before. I knew it. I knew you did it. I didn't know how. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying? I didn't know how you did it. I just knew it happened. <laughs> no, honestly, same. It was like yeah. same thing with like taxes, the water. It was bills. like I, I knew like, oh, it was something what? that was done. I didn't know how to do it, and like that's why now, like I make conscious choices. Like my my kids aren't involved in my financial decisions. Like I'm not gonna say that. But we do have honest conversations about money, right? 
when we sit yeah you had so that they can see the value the of it we talk to her about what bills need to be paid when and how much they cost and why this is this and this is this we take her with like she she actually her her job is to drop our rent off and she she sees okay, us write cute. the rent checks out and drop it you know what i'm saying but it's like those little things that seem insignificant, those are those are the life skills that you need to prepare your mm-hmm. kid with. So they're not you don't throw them out at eighteen and they don't know the fuck to do with themselves. Or where or to go. Where and to then go. you're gonna end up in a situation where you on your your school campus and they tell you to open up a credit card at eighteen when you ain't got no goddamn job and you fuck your credit up. Girl, they tried. The predatory lending of it was. Just it's, but that's what happens you know because you prey on the people who don't know and that tends to be the people who grew up poor (laughs) yep that's honestly yeah 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 it very much Um, his story very much spoke to me because it i know that story that was partly my story you know (laughs) like it's the story of everybody i know (laughs) Mm -hmm. in some aspect yeah it's i've had a lot of the a lot of friends who that I've done this attempted to do the same thing but unfortunately you fall back mm-hmm. into like serving you run or back to, or whatever to the job so that you meet. know is gonna be the steady paycheck that's yep, yeah that's consistent um but the nice thing though was despite norm um essentially being mm-hmm. destitute really um Everyone in the house, even including Eric, who's not in the house, who they go yeah. see later on. We'll get into that. Um, they all decide to come together and help Norm, Norm build a sense of social media so that he can begin to, begin to sell uh, these little chocolate yeah. rabbit paintings and um, hopefully begin to push his laptop stands whenever those are able to be mm-hmm. imported in. Which that was super sweet. The fact that um, the fact that Heather was like Norm, Norm, yeah. what are we doing? Okay, no, we're about to let's go. No, we're about to She's do like, this. And I was like, what? We're Not, gonna what? be doing this live. I'm gonna do your Instagram live. What are you painting? What are we doing? You gonna paint this? Mm-hmm. We're gonna make some money. It's like I know that's right. And shout out like Heather. Heather serves a purpose in this where she's kind of um, the grounding force. She is. She's the she's heart. Very much That's the, what like, I wanted to say. Yeah. Of this group of people. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up the uh, first, first time, first of, time we've seen yeah. these people in twenty years, thirty years, and honestly, the last time yeah. that we oh thirty years, and the last time that we'll see them all together. Probably. Because Becky no, no, she said, never I don't want to back. do reality TV. And it's like, girl. You got your start on reality TV. And you came back you really for did. reality TV. And there was nothing in, in this beyond the question being asked, which truthfully you should have been prepared for. Yep. That was reality TV. This is probably like the least forcefully produced reality show that has been on in a yeah, and, and, they, and it's like, well, we said we were going to have each other's backs, and I'm like, that doesn't mean not having conversations about stuff that happened while y'all were there. Like, exactly. you really thought 
that the fact that he said the conversation in which he said the thing that you hear quoted the absolute most, which is prejudice plus power equals racism. You thought that wasn't going to come up? (laughs) And (sighs) you would think that this have each other's backs would be and I'm sure they I'm sure that in that same text where it was they're going to be yep. a lot of really hard conversations and that's why that whole we need to have each other's backs was probably part of we're not going to throw each other under the bus which nobody did but that doesn't say we're not going to have the conversation that's it and yeah. the conversation is going to happen like MTV is definitely going to make sure that that conversation happens at the very least, but everything else they're going to throw their hands up and say, this is like, oh, exactly. we're going to let y'all do what y'all do. There's a reason why y'all was getting the video messages, because had y'all not, y'all would have given a bunch of old people sitting around telling stories about y'all kids. Bitch, <laughs> would they not? I was like, what is this shit, bitch? This is like the I water cooler, thought, ain't it? It's everybody I, in middle I management having lunch. watching Julie's daughter stand for Kevin. Because she's like, I want to major in political science. Oh, yeah. And she's like standing. It was so cute to me. <laughs> no, that was. But see, that's the marker of what happens when you yes. allow yourself to open up to the rest of the world. And like how that can trickle mm-hmm. down and affect your children. When you allow. And that's why I knew that moment let me know that Julie's growth was very real. And it's not her putting on for the television. Mm-hmm. Because the fact that not only that her daughter knows who he is, but it's like, I respect your work yes. and your writing and I read it all the time. And, you know, you have such a powerful message. And it was very much like, okay, mm-hmm. so you're doing the work. You did the work. You made sure your kids are doing the work. They, they, you're, they're acknowledging their privilege in the world and actually going to actively do something about it. Yes. Yes. The only thing that would make me happier is if Kevin begins really to mentor Julie's daughter. I really hope he does. Because that would like that would be of uh, Kevin and Heather yeah. in two different contexts. Yeah. Mentor yeah. Julie's child. Because Heather adds something too that has to so it's 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 really they really are these two it's very polar like I feel like two main points. Blackness. Yes. Very of blackness. So. Yes. Like he is like deep in in like the expression of the black trauma and heather is is deep in within the expression joy. of yep. black joy they very are the the polar and it's interesting too blackness really like seeing how in the 90s that you had kevin and heather and that they, they didn't necessarily they did they not get talk. along they just didn't but meet. it's also because in the 90s you very much <coughs> had to be one or the other like one or where the, that's where I was stand? going. And to be able to see this conversation between these polar opposites and both of them express the, the that opposite angle within themselves and have that meeting of the minds, you really get to see this like um depth of uh this mm-hmm. depth of blackness that you can be angry and you should be angry and you should be uh pissed off but you can also yeah. be joyful and and still hang out with some white people and get yeah. them drunk and make them food if you like them 
Like you can be and you can do all of these things and you don't have to fit into one or the other. And or and just because an, a certain aspect may be a slight, slightly more dominant based on interests or, or life experience, that doesn't negate the fact that yep. the other exists. Yep. Very much so. And... So that, yeah. yeah. Let's end on that. All let's that happy... Let's end on happy, happy blackness. blackness. Um, so... Apparently, Becky does not come back, but hopefully yes. Eric comes in the house. I'll be fine if Becky don't come back. He is not, as, not fine as fine as he used to be. Yeah. I hate his hair. If he shaved yeah. his hair, he'd be I cuter, but God that. damn it, Eric. But he did used to be fine. He this thing, Did you see what he was eating? Raw whole ass yeah. raw peppers? Talking about vitamin C. I said, yeah. nigga, if you don't get an orange. <laughs> nigga, this ain't Iron <laughs> Chef. You remember that when that nigga would pick up that I, F- I wasn't that pepper, prepared go, for him to do that. And then turn and smile at the camera. I was like, wait, no, what? <laughs> I, I wasn't prepared. All right. Black Joy, y'all. Catch us back next week and we, yeah, you'll find out we'll what find it is. We'll find out next week. Um, once again, I'm Lee from the D. All of my socials are as such. Uh, I primarily use Instagram right now just because it's easier for me to handle and deal with because I'm old and I don't understand technology. So the link's in the bio for all of the shit that I uh-huh. do and we do together. And I, you know, my Instagram is at fashionably underscore now. I am the same on TikTok, although I am terrible about posting on TikTok, but I'm going to do one today. Um, Yeah. I'm just here existing. It's a lot. It's, you know, but there's links in my bio to everything. You can get to all the shows and everything else from there and do all the things. There's a child behind me. I know. I saw her walking. I wasn't going to say anything because I didn't want her to get in trouble. <laughs> um, so uh, that wraps up, y'all. Um, this episode of Re- Reality Rewind. Um, we're going to do a insert episode. We're going to do, well, it's what? So that was episode four. So mm-hmm. next month, Sometime I guess. Sometime next month. Next we'll month, do the other We'll have part. another. Because I think it's only going to be like an eight episode thing. I don't see it going super long. I thought it was going to be six. It It might be 12 or 16, honestly. Girl, I tried to watch the challenge, and I was like, oh, they really trying to drag all this shit out. I'm over this already. It wasn't an episode up when I went. It just was the trailer, and I was like, I don't want to watch the trailer, because I feel like if I watch the trailer, I'm going to be over it. But The first episode up is up, and it looks like a PTA meeting. All these niggas is over 40, though. I know that's what it's like. I'm confused. It's like you come on now, y'all. Like I, I was watching this. I was like, all of y'all. This literally looks like a PTA meeting or a teachers association meeting. Like, come on now. What are we doing? Probably over forty-five. Because if y'all was all in y'all twenties when the show was on the air, I Trishel's season was what twenty (laughs) twelve. And she was, what, 23 or something like that at the time? 12. <laughs> I think Trishel's like 45, and I'm like, why? I don't think she's 45. Like, what are y'all doing? Because I'm like, trying it's to all stars. her season was 2012, and she was like 23 at the time. So she'll be like 33. I don't think that, no, that wasn't 2012. Right. It was like. That was the, like 2006. Vegas, it was 2012. 2012, 2013. Her season yeah. was like 2005. 
So yeah, she. I was thinking about how they dress. Yeah, I was like, no, we know that wasn't twenty twelve. I'm like, all y'all niggas is like, I mean, I guess, I guess if this, you know, $500,000 plus probably like the fee that you get per episode, I guess, whatever, do what you do, you know, age ain't nothing but a number. And that's as far as we're going to go with that one, because we don't want to be quoting quoting that nigga here, Mm -hmm. but do what you do, get your old asses up, go run in some mud, just don't break nothing. There's always Icy yes. Hot available. There's always Tiger yes. Bomb available. Get you some CBD. Make sure you bring some Epsom salt. Bring you a little, I almost said a mm-hmm. defibrillator. defibrillator. I meant to say a diffuser. <laughs> bring a defibrillator too, because nigga, <laughs> you might just need it. And on that note, um, I say next episode, just watch the first episode of The Challenge. We, we'll we'll okay. talk about it a little bit. Because I was like, I want to see this, but I feel just feel like i'm i don't know i'm like i i'm like come on yeah. now <laughs> but i'm also like this is interesting who's going to be the first person to sprain an ankle oh or break a all head all right <laughs> <laughs> all right y'all on that note i'm about to go bye. fuck up some pizza bye